Good morning, everyone. Don't you guys love kids' time? Yeah. Like, I kind of feel a little bit selfish every time they do it. Well, I mean, my granddaughter comes up here. But I feel kind of like a kid, too, when it happens. And I think it's great that we do that because we want to have a childlike heart before God at all times. And as I'm growing longer and longer in my walk with God and in age, maintaining that childlike heart toward God uh, just encourages me. And that, that kind of helps remind me of that, watching the children. So <clears throat> here's, this is audience participation time right here. So I need some feedback. Don't be afraid to shout anything out. <laughs> what comes to your mind when I say the word lies? What emotions does it charge? What feelings do you have? What, what are you thinking when I say lies? Maybe it's lies about you, lies that people tell. Hurt, hey, hurts. And you said betrayal. Hard to, Hard to trust. Good, good. Anything else? Politics. <laughs> okay, politics. Okay. Yeah, that we won't go. We won't unpack that one any further. But I get the. What's that? Unloved. That's a good one. That's a good one. What was that, Kelly? Your truth, my truth. There, there's another one. Your truth, my truth. So things come down to opinions. What's what's a hard truth? What's not? So one of the things we're going to talk about today, what we're going to talk about today is lies and how we can break, if we make three decisions about truth, how we can break the chains that lies tie us with, okay? So to start off, I want to, um, does anybody need a Bible? If you need a Bible, raise your hand, Luke or Pete will bring it to you. I want to start off in John 10, verse 10. Excuse me. In John 10, 10, this is Jesus himself speaking. says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So our enemy is Satan. Jesus tells us very clearly right here, what, his, what, his, what Satan's modus operandi is. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the most powerful and secretive weapons that Satan uses against us are lies. Amen. Amen. There are earthly realm lies. Remember Herb's been talking about earthly realm, heavenly realm things like that. So there, there are some earthly realm lies that we deal with or that we'll experience, like maybe a silly earthly realm lie, something that doesn't dig deep into our hearts. If someone told you that Chick-fil-A was open on Sunday and you drove over there <laughs> hoping to see Luke at the drive-thru and he wasn't there and you didn't get your lemonade, that would be like a, an example of an earthly realm lie. Then there are spiritual realm lies 
that carry a whole nother connotation. And those spiritual lies are like chains. Some of those, that lie, that spiritual realm lie can be one big chain that the lie is you believe it, it's told to you, you believe it, and it holds you down. One big one. Sometimes the spiritual realm lies can be one lie starts with one, and then another lie welds that one together, and then each lie kind of becomes a consecutive chain. And eventually we end up walking around carrying this heavy burden of weight. So not only do we have the weight of the chains themselves physically, but what else does the chain do? It ties you to something. So that lie can be tied back to a thing that keeps you from, you can only progress so far. The only way that those lies and those chains can be broken is with God's truth. And that's what we're going to discuss today. So let's go ahead now and turn over to um, John chapter 8, uh, verse 31 and 32. <clears throat> so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's truth is what breaks the chains. Okay? God's truth is God's word. So in thinking about this, like I could tell my I could try to tell my story. Um, but I think what we, we'll see by the end of today, you can take these principles and apply them to any person that God used in the Bible and see how they made these decisions. Amen. Um, so I think that a really good person for us to, to take a look at is, is Saul, who becomes Paul. Everybody's familiar with, most of the time we hear him, we talk about Paul, but there was a point in time in his life where he was known as Saul. So let's go ahead over and turn to Acts chapter 9, and take a look where this story of Paul and the chains of lies begin for him. So we're in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The first decision that we need to make to break the chain of lies is, number one, allow Jesus to reveal the lie to us. Okay, And that's what's happening here. Paul was very zealous and very motivated and very intentional 
as he was going on that journey to Damascus. Okay, and he tells the story in his own words a couple times later. We're going to look at that in a, in, a, in a moment. But Paul's very intentional about what he is doing here. He was on a mission. So the, what we want to ask ourselves is what lies was Paul carrying with him that day on the way to Damascus? And this can be an audience participation time too. What are some of the lies that you think Paul or Saul at, the, at this point in time was carrying with him that day on the way to Damascus? Okay, Pharisees' way was right. That, that's a good one. Would you, would you qualify that as religions? Religiousness? Okay, that's a good one. Any, any other ones? That's a great one. Paul legitimately and wholeheartedly believed that he was acting in conviction in God's name. So imagine his surprise <laughs> as he's walking along. He was probably feeling pretty good about himself too. All right, Paul's art, or Saul has already built a pretty dynamic reputation about going after those of the way. And that, that's what they were calling the people that were following Jesus. So, yeah, religion is one. And what are some things that come along with religion? Following a lot of rules. And, and trying to follow those rules to the T. Uh, maybe when we make a mistake, we try to do it harder. Maybe we try to do it better. When we're learning a skill, we learn a skill. Sometimes it's very easy for us, and this is human nature, so this is, if, you, if you've experienced this, don't beat yourself up too much. This is part of our human nature. You're learning a skill. Who's ever, who's played, who plays basketball? Anybody ever played basketball? Wow. Okay. How about soccer? Football. Okay, soccer, football. You start building that skill, it's easy to look at the person beside you at practice. You've mastered maybe this one thing. And it, isn't it tempting to look at somebody beside you that maybe isn't doing as well and feel good about yourself and compare yourself to others? I think that's something that that brings to the table as well. Something else I think it falls in line with the religiousness of it is by following all of these rules and trying to do them better and better and better. Do you think Paul may have been trying to seek God's approval? Uh, well, if I do these things, if I go after these way followers as aggressively as possible, then God's going to look upon me with favor and I'm going to earn some extra type of love or some extra type of blessing from him. I think that's something that we struggle with too. And so it takes us in these, to, to break these chains, to get into a moment where we allow Jesus to speak to us. Sometimes it's a prayer that we can offer up. God, please reveal to me what I need to know. Please open my eyes to help me see. Here with Paul, I think legitimately God was trying to get Paul's attention for a long period of time. It's just, we're seeing this moment right here. So that's step number one. Allow Jesus to reveal the lies. 
Step number two, and we're staying right here in Acts chapter 9 for a second. Step, step number two is accepting the truth once you get to the end of yourself. And that, that's a key part of it. Accepting the truth once we get to the end of ourselves. One of the most significant things to me about this particular passage with Paul is that it's Jesus who's taken the initiative with Paul. Paul thought he was on mission. He was aggressively pursuing what he thought God wanted him to do. And Jesus himself stops him in his tracks and says, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And this is where the loving father thing comes back to me about these chains. Remember the chains, they hold us down. They're, they're weighty. They keep us from moving forward. So here's Jesus himself stepping into Paul's moment, stepping into Paul's life and saying, hey man, what are you doing? That's exactly how God is. God will push the issue. Remember, our enemy is constantly trying to keep us separated from Christ. He's constantly trying to trip us up. He's constantly trying to get up, keep us deceived and keep us from moving forward. God is, at the same time, always on the offensive, pursuing your heart and trying to open your eyes to what you need to see. The, the challenge is... As those truths are revealed, you're faced with a choice. Mm -hmm. You have to either accept the truth or deny it. Mm -hmm. So here, think about Paul in this moment. He has been aggressively going about this mission to persecute and arrest and stop people from talking about the message of Jesus. Jesus comes to him in, in that moment and says, hey man, stop persecuting me. Paul has to, ha he has to make a choice. Do I accept this? Do I try to download this and understand why, why is Jesus saying this to me? Or I don't, I don't want to deal with that because of everything that comes with it and try to drown it out with something else mm -hmm. or go harder at what I'm doing. So when you're faced with that truth, part of the, you have to make that decision um, to accept it or deny it. And what I will tell you, when it comes to choices, you're making a choice one way or the other. So you either, you will accept the truth and say, yes, sir, by all means, lead the way, show me what I need to do. If you choose to ignore it or do something to distract you from it, you're making the choice, and that choice is to deny dealing with the truth that Jesus has revealed. And so to give a little bit more context to, to Paul in this situation, let's turn over to Acts 26, and we're going to be reading through verses 12 through 18. And here Paul, Paul, is, Paul is telling this story of his Damascus Road experience in his own words. He's actually testifying to King Agrippa. So Paul's been arrested. Um, 
the Jewish authorities are tired. He has been a pain in their backside. Okay? And they are aggressively trying to eliminate him as a threat. Has anyone ever tried to eliminate you from talking about Jesus? Are you talking about Jesus so much that people are saying, hey man, why don't you shut up? I, I, that's never happened to me yet. Uh, and I don't know, maybe that's the road I'm supposed to go on, maybe it isn't, but I just think it's interesting that Paul has caused such a stir here. So here's Paul telling his story, and we're starting in verse 12. I covered up my scripture. No, I got, I got it, I got it. So Paul, Paul's t- telling King Agrippa, thank you, Randy. And he's telling what Jesus, Jesus comes to him and says. So he says, Jesus came to me in the Hebrew language saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen, to the things in which you have seen me and those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I think it's interesting that when Paul's retelling the story, he adds this snippet about Jesus saying to him, why are you kicking against the goads? Does anyone know what a goad is? Has anyone ever been goaded? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes guys will do that to one another. We'll kind of poke a little bit. And that's what the goat is. So what, what the farmers would use that for, you have an oxen that's pulling a plow. Sometimes oxen can be stubborn and maybe they're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> or maybe they're not the brightest light bulb. They may be a little dull. Okay, so sometimes that oxen gets in its mind. It wants to go this direction. Maybe it can even be due to the slope of the land. So if the, the farmer's trying to plow up a row or up a slope, that oxen may not want to do the extra work it takes to climb up there, and they may want to follow the contour of the land. So the farmer has to poke, and he will keep poking that oxen until it goes in the direction that he wants him to. I think it's interesting that Jesus says to Paul specifically, why are you kicking against the goads? And that's the clue that I, I think we can easily miss in Paul's journey. See, if you just read the story in Acts, it's like Paul's going along with life and everything's fine and he feels good and he's okay. And then Jesus appears out of nowhere. But when you hear Paul retell the story himself, he adds in the aspect of Jesus saying to him, why are you kicking against the goat? So what that tells me, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a biblical scholar, but what that tells me is Paul had been wrestling for quite some time as to whether or not 
what he was doing was the right thing. Now, in studying myself, this Paul's journey here, I think, and again, not a scholar, I wonder, that I'll use my wife's word, I wonder if the first poke at Paul's conscience happened at Stephen's trial. Acts chapter 7 is where they put Stephen on trial, and Stephen preaches this powerful message to the leaders, calls them all on the carpet. They get so angry and so furious at Stephen that they, take, they rush him out of town and they stone him to death. And guess who is standing right there while that's taking place? They laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And right before they stone Stephen, Stephen says a prayer. And I think that's where the poking started. And it, it, we don't get a timeline as far as how long it took from Acts chapter 7 with Stephen until we get to Paul's journey to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. So it could have been a week. It could have been two chapters. <laughs> it could have been a couple months. But the point that I'm getting at is Jesus has been trying to get Paul's attention for a long time. And Paul has either been ignoring him or doubling down on what he was actually doing at the time. So, is Jesus goading you in any way? Might there be a habit? Might there be a relationship? Might there be a way that you're thinking about a certain thing or, or approaching something that Jesus is poking you? So what, what effectively happens in this moment I think, and, and, you know, Paul explains it a little bit. We'll hop back over to Acts chapter 9. But what happens in that moment of accepting the truth is that Paul's coming to the end of himself. He's coming to a realization that the way that I've been doing things is wrong. And Jesus is trying to tell me what to do. Okay, so we are deciding to allow Jesus to reveal the lies to us. Then we are accepting the truth by coming to the end of ourselves. Because until we come to the end of ourselves and that our plan isn't working, our way of things isn't working, we cannot accept Jesus' truth and start doing things in his way. Amen. Okay, now the final decision that we need to make is we have to decide to live in truth. Yes. Okay? Decide to live in truth. So let's go back to Acts chapter 9. Excuse me, and I want to hone in on verse 6. So in verse 6, Jesus says to Paul, but rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. So Jesus calls Paul out, says, why are you persecuting me? And then he gives him a command. What's the command? Go into the city and wait. What just happened to Paul in that moment that Jesus called him out? Huh? 
yeah, we're get we'll get we're getting there. But what happened to him? He was blinded. So going into the city and waiting around for additional orders seems to me, from a human uh, earthly realm perspective, a little bit counterintuitive. If I've just been struck blind right now, if it happened to me, where's my wife going to take me? She's going to take me to the emergency room. We're probably going to go see a specialist, right? We're probably going to look at things from that perspective. Again, I think another good little snippet for us to hold on to. What was Jesus' command? Go into the city and wait. So what Paul does here, he follows that command and he goes to Damascus. He has no other directions other than that. Now, if we read further on the story, we find out, I don't know if it's right at the exact same time that Jesus is talking to Paul, if Jesus is also talking to Ananias, because he goes and talks to a man named Ananias that's in Damascus and says, hey, this guy Saul, I just made him blind and he's kind of freaking out. I've told him to come to Damascus and that a man named Ananias is going to come to him and he's going to give him his sight. And uh, Ananias is like, "Um, hey, dude, I don't know if you know this, but uh, that Saul guy, he's got a pretty bad reputation about dealing with us, (laughs) your followers. Yes, sir. So Paul's first part of his conversion here is one small act of obedience. Okay, and that's what it takes to live in truth. It's living in obedience. And you could even equate this, remember we talked about the chains and them being broken, right? And the truth does that. Maybe with every decision that we take to obey Christ, one of those links in that chain are broken. Or that chain in total were broken. And I will tell you, some of those chains will immediately break. And you'll feel like an entirely new person. So let's go back real quick and just remind ourselves of John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is what's going to break these chains. I think if you, if you don't already, if you think about this story of Paul, maybe you can relate to Paul's journey a whole lot more today than you ever did before. Paul's not necessarily a biblical character that I ever really identified with. I thought more like, you know, I'm more like I can identify with Peter. Right? He's a blue-collar guy. Man, he's pretty emotional. Does some rational things every now and then, but he loves Jesus. I can relate to that guy. I always looked at Paul as a scholar, as a, you know, this powerful speaker, because we see all these books in the Bible. But after looking at this story now, I can relate to Paul on a whole other level and realize that I go through the same things. Breaking these chains, it's following these decisions, and Paul's life gives us a great example of that. So I talked talk to you in the beginning about the lie, and I asked you a question. What is a lie that you may have believed about yourself? If I didn't ask it at the beginning. You can earn favor. 
Okay, good. I'll ask you another question right now. Is there a lie that you currently believe about yourself? I want to, in, in, in buttoning up the, the message today, I want to tell you about a lie that I believed. A lie that I believed for 39 years. No one in my family ever, ever said this thing out loud to me, but Satan began whispering it to me, possibly the moment that I was born. And that lie was, you're a mistake. So everything in my life came back to that context. I joined the military. I start doing my military career. Make a mistake in there, get in trouble, do something wrong. There's that little, see, that's why, because you're a mistake. You're not supposed to be here. You're living outside of who you really are. I marry my, my amazing wife. Those of you that know Victoria, I, it's all God, right? <laughs> my marriage, the, the lie was I'm a mistake. And living with that mistake and not understanding it because I didn't know how to make these decisions. I lived in, in the context of that lie, trying to understand it, trying to deal with it. I went to all kinds of other things. I went to religion. On the outside, I looked pretty good. You would have never known that there was really anything wrong with me. I have an amazing wife. I, I have beautiful children. I go to church. I'm involved in my church. I'm serving. I'm leading. I'm leading men's ministries. I'm speaking. Professionally, I'm doing well. So outside, all of this stuff looked great. But inside, in my soul, because those spiritual lies, those spiritual realm lies, they're so deep. They're down deep to where no one else can ever see them. And that mistake lie was so down deep in there that I, I was in despair. I'd be smiling when we would talk, but inside I'm depressed. Victoria would tell me that she loved me and she would call me a mighty man of God. And I would say, oh, that's, that's a cool story. I wish it were true. One of these days you're going to realize that you made a mistake. That's, that's what the lie did. And so it all came to a head in uh, November of 2016. So at 39 years, I've been dealing with this lie. And as Paul had to do, had to allow Jesus to reveal the lie. So I'm struggling with my alcohol addiction because that's one of the things that I was doing. I was medicating myself to not feel the lie. Okay. I realize I have a problem. God revealed, Jesus revealed it. Like, hey, this is a problem. I thought it was just alcohol, but it, dig a little bit deeper, right? He keeps prodding, digs down in there. I realize the alcohol is a problem and I can't overcome it. So I'm driving home from work. I'm praying. I'm in tears. And what's happening is as the lie is coming out, I'm praying to God. I'm saying, God, I don't know why you want to have anything to do with me. I'm messing up my life. I think you made a mistake in choosing me. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I think I'm a mistake. Yeah, I'm a mistake. I made a mistake, right? All the things that come with that. And so God's opening it up and it's painful. It hurt. 
I'm, I'm sobbing in tears. At the end of myself is where I'm at. And at the end of myself, I, I didn't want to live anymore. Because I didn't want to live in that lie anymore. And just like Paul, now, I didn't get struck blind. There wasn't a bright light that came from heaven and any of those things. But Jesus met me in that moment just like he met Paul. And he, he told me what to do. He told me to go home. <laughs> it's what he told me to do. I was praying. I was like, God, I don't know what to do. If I, 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 need, I need help. I need you to get me to the rock bottom truth about who I am, what my faith is, and whatever needs to get cut out of my life, just do it. Right? That's the end of self. And as I went home that day, truth started washing over me. Scriptures, stories, healing, and the chains of the lie began to be broken. That, you're a mistake lie, wasn't one of them little link lies. This was one of those big three-inch, four-inch, six-inch bull chains that you see at a shipyard that that holds an aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. And it was miles long because I'd been building on it. Satan had been putting link upon link upon link for 39 years. I'm going to tell you right now, when, once I made these decisions to allow Jesus to reveal that lie, to accept the truth at the end of myself, and begin and choose, make the decision to choose to live in truth, yep. that chain broke, and it was like I was on a rocket ship. Amen. And all I want to do is help every single person that I can hopefully experience that same thing. So in closing, I have a couple questions for us. In regards to allowing Jesus to reveal the lies, what lies or lies Jesus trying to reveal to you right now? And accepting the truth... What is, what is something that you may be holding on to? Right? Is God's revealing to you what you need to change, what you need to let go of, redefine who you are. What's something that's tempting you to be holding on to that you don't want to let go? And it's, and it's, look, it's not easy. Sometimes those things are so much of a part of us, they're, they're our identity. And having them cut loose is really bringing us to the end of ourself. And then choosing to live in truth. What's something that God has been asking you or is asking you right now to obey? Another lie that Satan tells, tells us is, hey, this is cool. We'll deal with that tomorrow. Give yourself a little bit more time. You need, you need some more time to process this. Wait a little bit longer. Or just one more time. You, 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 you know what he's saying to you. Because the enemy customizes his lies to the way that you think, the way that you speak to yourself, and what you feel in your heart. Amen. Amen. So what's something that God is asking you to obey? Whatever it is, I want to caution you with that putting off. Wait till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There is an expiration date on God's promptings. 
There's only so many times that he's going to prod you before you're, you've hardened your heart so much that you don't hear it anymore. Right now is the time. If you're getting a prompt right now, now is the time. This is the moment. I call that, that day in 2016 the moment for me. Because I really feel like that was the moment I really met God for the first time. Right now is the moment. And every single moment counts. Jesus loves you so much that he's stepping into what you're doing right now, just like he did with Paul. So with that, I'll close out uh, with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love, for your faithfulness. God, thank you for stepping in to our situations. Thank you, God, for stepping into our mess. And thank you, God, for giving us Jesus, who is the word, who is the truth, who is the life, so that the lies and the chains that Satan has convinced us with or that we've been burdened with by our family of origin, whatever traumas and things that we've experienced, with your truth, God, they can be broken and we can be set free and step into the real identity that you created us as your sons and daughters to be in Jesus. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.